you're right. The power is not in our voices. It is in the name of Jesus. Man, we can all just go home after we take our offering and bless the next generation of hope. But we're not going to do that because we got a lot of other things to wrestle with and and to, to wrap our minds around and to join together. And so today... Um, man, I hope that you leave today with a really clear idea of, of what our mission and vision is at Hope. Because today you're all a part of it. We've been going through this journey in the month of January. We've called it Hope Rising. And, and we've celebrated that God has been rising and hope has been rising in this community amongst us. Like God has, in, in three years of existence, two and a half years, Sunday morning, and some of us have been walking this journey for over four years as we, as we built a core team and kind of went toward launch, and, and God just kind of directed our path to where we are now. It's just been incredible. But, but where are we going? And so we, we walk this journey, this idea of hope rising, is, is it all begins individually when we find our newness, that we are made new in Christ, that in Christ we are a new creation. And so and that's so amazing that, that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And on top of that, his mercies are new every morning. And, and that means for us, whatever we battle today, whatever our struggles are today, God's mercy and his grace and his love and his strength is sufficient for whatever comes our way. We don't know. It's been a crazy couple of years, hasn't it? We don't know what's next. Who knows? Who to thunk, right? A couple of years ago, we would have a pandemic of all, all the stuff that we've walked through. Not a one of us could have thought that. But you know what? His mercies were sufficient. They are still sufficient. They will continue to be sufficient. So we, we learn that together, that his mercies are new and sufficient, and, and, and that we are a progressive people. Like, not in the way it's seen, seen sometimes. We are progressing and growing, that we are created to grow together and rise up in Christ. And so not only do we, are, are we new in Christ, but we are being made new more and more like him in our walk with Christ. And so it's a, it's a one-time sanctif- uh, sanctification in Christ. I mean, it's a, it's a one-time, help me out. It's a one-time, what's our big word? Justification, I was getting there, all right. Sometimes I draw a blank, it's okay. We are justified in Christ. We were not right in God's eyes, and we are justified, made new, justified before God through Jesus Christ. But we, day by day, are being sanctified, being being made more and more holy, more and more like Jesus, and we are progressing. And then we wrestled with the question, is it okay to expect God to move among us? Is that okay? And we wrestle with that. And we, we learn that, yes, like, like God loves to move among his children. God loves it. If we, just as Zacchaeus did, he crawled up in that sycamore tree, that wee little man crawled up in there, and he positioned himself perfectly to be blessed by the presence and the grace of Jesus Christ that day. We can do the same. We position ourselves in Christ, craving him positioning ourselves in his word in obedience so that he could, could bless us. And last week we learned that, that, that we are a we people. And, and we need to re-embrace the power of we. That we were never meant to walk our life, our new life with Christ alone. Never was that meant to be. 
that, that, that there is power of this togetherness. And it's, it's not an option. It's essential. And so we said last week that we discussed the importance of, of what we're doing in worship, but also the reality that what we do in worship is, is not the best positioning of experiencing that togetherness. So we said last week there is, there is an essentiality to jump in and to leap into Jesus-centered relationships here at Hope. We call those Hope Groups. If you haven't found a hope group, I encourage you to find a hope group. That's the old school Sunday school and, and where they're breaking bread of Scripture together regularly. They're partying, partying. We call that fellowship together. They're living on mission, mission together, and they're caring for one another. Those are the four things that we find in a hope group. And also to jump in, we'll be talking more about it next week and in the coming weeks as we launch officially our D group, Discipleship Group Ministry on February 20th. I encourage you guys to jump in. We'll talk more about that next week. We've got some videos coming to help you understand what that is. So we are a we people, but today I want to discuss briefly, but this is so important that we get this today, that, that we are not only a we people, we are a sent people. And so would you turn with me again to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We read a long passage last week, the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and we read all of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and all of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we did that with a little different look at Scripture to wrap our minds around the 46 times just in chapter 3 and chapter 4, it uses first-person plural language of we and our. To embrace, just as Paul was encouraging the church of Corinth to re-embrace the power of of we because we not only have identity a me identity in christ we have a we identity in christ our being and becoming like christ is a personal reality for us but it is not a private one it's that togetherness that we we grow in christ together and so we said last week just to recap that gospel a gospel-centered church that is what we are and we strive to become jesus alone Salvation by grace through faith in Jesus. It's not that complicated. It's really simple. That's what we strive to become, and that's who we are. A gospel-centered church leads to gospel-centered relationships. That's what we talked about last week. And gospel-centered relationships, we have, to, we have to get to where we are today, move us toward our mission of the Great Commission. You see, the power of we leads us to embrace the mission of we, that, that we would rise up and grow in Christ personally and together, each becoming disciples that become disciple makers, that we would train, equip, that we would send out, and that we would partner with other like-minded, gospel-centered Churches, You see, that is our dream, that, that we exist. This is our identity statement. We exist to multiply hope here and around the world. Two ways, multiplying disciples and multiplying churches. So today, very much as we discuss hope rising, as we kind of put the, the icing on the cake and the cherry on top at the end of the day, I can't wait. We're going to have such a good time here in a little bit, commissioning Aaron and Sonia uh, to be our missionaries in Conroe, Texas. Man, I, I can't wait. I mean, this is our dream. It's been our dream from the beginning. This is our vision. So I remember uh, just over four years ago, I remember 
I went before we started gathering as a core group and I was preparing and praying and I just knew that God had called me to plant a church in the Wood Forest area and I just knew that. I went to this training in Austin, Texas and God told me very clearly as I sat in that training, very clearly, almost writing on the wall. There wasn't literally writing on the wall, but it was as if writing was on the wall that God had not called me to plant a church. He had called me to be a part of a movement. And those are two distinct things. We are not here to plant a church. That is what we are doing as we speak and building the church of God centered in Christ. We are doing that, but it's something so much bigger than that. I'm not quite sure why I grabbed my cell phone. I was looking for my water, and I'm not going to (laughs) get... Sometimes I'm a hot mess. As I talk about being a part of a movement, we open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. That is what the early church was, was, was experiencing. We had to realize that it wasn't just about Paul planting a church. He understood that, that a God-sized vision is so much bigger than one local body of Christ. And that is what we understand. We, we, what God is doing has been so powerful and so phenomenal, but, but we have to have our feet and our hands so much wider than that because the lostness is so great and the power of God is so great. And, and all of that begs that we have a larger vision for who we are. And so Paul is writing to Corinth in 2 Corinthians, and he's defending unity. There was disunity within the body of Christ. And to be honest, he's defending himself because they were questioning. Many, many of the false teachers had, had, had risen up within the church, and they were questioning his apostleship and his spiritual authority within the church. And so that's what's happening in chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians. We begin in verse 14. Look with me. And, and as we read this, may I just encourage you again to... As we read, look for the first person plural, okay, as we embrace the power of we. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. And to the one, we are an aroma that brings death. And to the, to the other, an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? Just a little pause here, because I, I won't take time to answer that question. But that is a question not rhetorical. That is a question that we can answer. Who is equal to that task of doing that very thing? The answer is, as we look at all of the totality of Scripture, the answer is no one without Christ and anyone with Christ. Here's the answer. No one is equal. Paul says, not, I'm not, I'm not, and you are not. But in Christ, as you read chapter 3 and chapter 4, we are. He makes us sufficient. He equips us. He gives us all that we need, including righteousness and eternal life. Unlike so many, verse 17, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity. As those, what's, what's that word? Sent. From God. You see, Paul understood that he and the early church apostles and leaders who he was serving with, he understood that that they were a sent people. 
that, that they had a mission. Their togetherness had a mission. And so I want to answer that question, what is that mission? And I want to point you to four things you can find there in your notes. I'm going to move quickly today, but man, it's not that this is a glancing blow at something that's so essential that we grasp. What is this mission? Number one, we find in verse 14, it's a mission of following. It's a mission of following, but thanks be to God, verse 14, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. And so what Paul is painting there is he is painting a picture of the Roman triumph the Roman triumph procession as, as there was victory in war and they would come into to Rome and there was the, all of these festivities. And it's hard for us to imagine that because it's so far removed from who we are and what we understand. But could you just imagine what that would have been like? The, the Roman leaders, the Roman centurions and, and the, all of the leaders within the army would go and they, they would win in battle as the Romans did. They conquered the known world, right? They were very victorious. And as they came in, there would be this procession of victory. And that's what Paul is. He, they all would have known when he said this procession of victory, what that would have looked like. You would have the leaders that come first. And then the general kind of waiting in the back with his family. So you have the, the, the under generals and all the leaders would come in first. And then the governors and all of the leaders of the government would come in. And, and then the soldiers would come in just marching in. To town. Can you imagine what that would have been like? Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of soldiers following their leaders in celebration. And behind that, there would have been the religious leaders, which were at that time pagan, but they were priests. And, and they would have had uh, incense in these round balls that they would swing around, that they were lit and swinging around. And there were all these smells and sounds of music, of celebration going on. And, and then after all the procession, the, the general would come in, the leader of the army would come in with his family on a chariot pulled by white horses. And this is what they were seeing. And Paul had in mind when he said, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ, that there is this God through his son is leading us. And, and that is defined by a few things. It's defined by captivation. That's the word. He leads us. We're following he leads us in captivation, captivation, captives in Christ, triumphal. So the second part is victory. And, and it sounds kind of captive. Well, what does that mean? Well, the yours may say bondage. Like, I don't want to be a slave. Bondage. I, it's not that, that, that Jesus brings bondage because we know that we, we read in chapter 3 and chapter 4 that actually where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so what does that mean? We have to figure out and read it within context. What does that mean? Well, I love the idea that, that, that instead of seeing it as bondage, this idea of captive, instead turn around and see it as that they were captivated by the power that they were following into the city. They were captivated by it. Like, have you ever had a jaw-dropping moment when you saw something just so amazing? Like they were in awe, they were in reverence, they had jaw-dropping moments, so, so they are captivated. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. And so there is victory. We don't have to fight for victory. I say this a lot, you guys could quote me so many times on this, I hear it from you guys. We don't have to fight for victory. You can't. Because you already have it in Christ, it's your identity. And so instead of fighting for victory, we need to fight from victory. And so here they are. Think about it. Here is our mission. 
We are simply to follow our leader who has captivated us and who we already have victory in. It is, uh, our mission is one of following. And so, since we're following our leader, what was his mission? To seek and to save the lost. His mission was to redeem. And so here we are following him in this mission. And where did he spend his time when on earth? The dark places, right? In the messy spaces. So should we. That was his mission to redeem. And we are ministers. We are a sent people. This is our mission. And so we have to realize that Corinth was one of the most pagan cities in the known world at that time. In Asia Minor, it was the most pagan at that time. The center of pagan ritual and worship. And so as he is writing this, he is reminding the early church that our mission is to follow Jesus, whose mission was to go into dark places and messy spaces and to be a light and to redeem. I love that old, remember that old hymn that we used to sing a lot back when I was growing up? It's, I don't know how old it is, I didn't look it up, but it, uh, it goes, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Y'all remember that? That's old school right there. I love that. It gets to the, to the verse, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed, redeemed. Sometimes the music minister would hold that out. His child and forever I am. I mean, that, that is who Jesus is, and it's what he does still, and he chooses to use us. It's a mission of following. That's the first thing and we find in the beginning of verse 14, but it's a noticeable mission. We find that at the end of verse 14 and following. It says that he uses us, so you have this captivation and you have this victory that we walk in and Jesus uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. There's that aroma, there's that scent, that very noticeable scent of victory in the air. Have you ever ask, what's that smell? <laughs> I did that this morning. <laughs> I walked into our garage, I worked out early and I, I've got a roll machine and I walked out into our garage. That's the first thing I asked myself. What's that smell? It was very pungent, very noticeable. Well, we had chicken last night, and the package of the chicken went into the garage, and it was, it was bad. Uh, the same day, yesterday morning, I, I, I thought the same thing, and I actually said it. I was sitting on the couch, and I said out loud, what is that smell? And I realized that one of my kids has had his feet up on the, right pretty close to me, and it was so bad I had to cover it up with a blanket. I said, what is that smell? You see, there's an aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. And it's, it's like that smell that I was smelling, like that's otherworldly, it was so bad. But this smell is otherworldly that, that, that Paul is talking about. Like, you know, like that, that when you sense this, when you perceive this and when other people perceive it around you, like, man, this is something that's not normal. This is supernatural. And this person has something within themselves that is just not what I've ever seen before. It is otherworldly. It's a noticeable 
It's a noticeable mission. And so verse 14 is the knowledge of him. That's the aroma. But then in verse 15 and following, we are the aroma. There's the progression. And so there's a knowing the aroma of Jesus and growing in knowledge. But then there's a natural progression as we have spent time with Jesus that we begin to look like him. We begin to live like him. And people take notice. You see, it's a mission of following. But it's also a noticeable mission. You know, people can't help but sense the presence of Christ in us when we have been with him. <laughs> they would say, what's that smell? What, what is that that's in you? I just don't get it. How do you have joy in the midst of such sorrow? How, how do you live like that? How do you hold your integrity in the midst of all of this that's happening around you at work? And on and on and on we could say, what's that smell? And they will eventually know, as they get to know you, that you have been with Jesus. That's why Paul says in Colossians, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is in you, the hope of glory. So there's a progression here. We find in verse 14 and following. He leads, okay? We follow, and he uses. That's so simple, y'all. That's so simple. He leads, we follow, he uses find that in verse 14. So simple. It's almost like Paul is saying to the early church who, who may have been thinking like, hey, when I'm ready, I'll live on mission. When I know more, I'll live on mission. When I get equipped more, I'll live on mission. And Paul, it's just like you do as a parent when your kid is, is trying to learn how to ride a bike. Eventually, you've got to push him out of the nest, right? You're like, hey, it's time to fly. It's time to fly, early church. It's time to fly, present church. Our mission is a mission of following. He leads. We follow. He uses. Ready, set, go. We find the third thing. This mission is a faithful response to God's word. Look at verse 17. It says, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. There's that idea of the word of God. We don't take it lightly. And what Paul is saying here is, look, I have a fidelity. I have a, a commitment. I have a, an urgency to be faithful to the word of God. And the word of God directs me to live sent. And that's why, Paul saying, that's why I came to you. I didn't come for me. I came for he. Are you with me? He says, like, I, I, this is not about me. I, I've not benefited from this. But then that's juxtaposed there in the scripture. Unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. We, this is not for my gain. This is for his gain. You see, the mission is a faithful response to God's word. It's moving from, from me to he, and it's moving from we to thee. You see, that's got to happen in our lives, to follow this process that we are made new, that we are growing, we are rising up, we are in process, growing toward Christ, and then we embrace together the power of we, but that will naturally lead, it will always naturally lead to the mission of we, that, that we are a sent people, we will be activated to live out this Jesus life the aroma of Christ in this world. Paul said, look, it's not about one day when you are called out. 
is this calling outedness, that's my word, it's your identity. Listen, this is your, this is my, this is our identity. We in Christ are new and we are growing, but we, (laughs) we are a sent people. We are called out and we have what we need already through the spirit of God and through his word to live on mission for him. And so let me just take a pause here and I'm going to get to the fourth. Um, You have so many opportunities to do this. You have opportunities here in in your home. That's where it starts, right? In your neighborhood. Do this, join a hope group and live on mission together. Um, We're going to have opportunities this year to to serve with Aaron and Sonia. Uh, We don't know exactly what that looks like, but we're going to jump in with both feet and help them. Whatever that looks like, there's opportunities for that. But I think, does anybody have a bulletin? I came in without one. If you look at your bulletin, there is one, two, three mission opportunities that you can see coming up in the summer. May I just encourage you right now to realize that you are a sent people, and that scentedness calls us to live on mission now where we are, but also be a part of God's work globally. Well, what does that look here for us? Well, this is what it looks like this year for us. We, we love church planters. We love church planting. And so there's a one, I'm going to be leading the one to Longmont, Colorado. Listen, there are, there are worse places to go in the world than Longmont, Colorado. <laughs> it's a beautiful place. North of Denver, you can look out and see the mountains. It's pretty close to our destination every summer, Estes Park, Colorado. And uh, so I, I am sacrificing. <laughs> I'm leading this trip to Longmont, Colorado. But listen, this is why we're going, not for the mountains. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus and partnering with a guy named Doug Hickson, Doug and Dana Hickson, my very good friends. Me and Jennifer have known them for a long time now. And many of you guys, if you were here in the fall, have met him. Last August, as he preached here and shared some of the vision for Connection Church Longmont, Colorado. And they are launching in the fall of this year. This year, they are launching. So we're going the first week of July to help him prepare to do canvassing, to do lots of stuff. I've got space for about 20 people. That's all. I've got five in my family. So that, I've got room for 15 people. So if you want to go on that trip, better jump in. Better jump in. Don't miss it. Also an opportunity for the youth. But if you adults want to go too, you guys are welcome to go to Gladewater, Texas, deep east Texas, deep east Texas, uh, to serve with Teddy and Marilyn, um, Teddy and Marilyn Sorrells, a good friend of mine as well. Listen, he, he, they launched last fall, and, and God is working in Gladewater, Texas, small town Texas, but God is working. And I just talked to him last week on the phone. God is working, and he needs help. He needs help. He is begging for help. He needs us to come alongside. So we are sending a group of people. You see that info there. Uh, there's another one there, the Builders for Christ mission trip. is to Louisiana, July 18th to, to June 25th. You see the cost there. And that is a hands-on construction. And the way that works, they find churches that are growing where God is working, and they need help in the construction phase of things. And we send people to do that if you're interested in that. And there's one more that's not on here that is coming. It is a mission trip to Brazil. So if you have, you're like, man, you want to go to Brazil and live on mission, there's an opportunity to go and bless pastors and church planters and also be a part of some out, local outreach. And I don't remember where it is in Brazil. Uh, Rhonda, are you in here? Uh, 
no, she'll be, I guess she'll come to the second service. Um, they're going to be uh, doing Vacation Bible School and doing some other outreach as well to help a, ch- a local church planter where they're going. And so there's some incredible opportunities. May I encourage you to respond and be activated toward that mission. But, but can I encourage you to focus on the second part of verse 17? It says, on the contrary, in Christ, we, Paul and his people he's serving with, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. You see, the mission of we, it's best lived out in authenticity. It's got to be real. And it's like Paul is crying out to the church of Corinth, Hey, y'all, because Paul was Texan, right? Hey, y'all know me. I was with you guys for 18 months. Don't listen to what people are saying about me. Listen to what I did when I was among you. Remember that. Like I sacrificed. I gave all of who I am. Y'all know me. I, God through me started this church. Don't look at what people say. Remember how I lived. By my fruit, you will know me. You see, Paul is saying there that, that authenticity matters. That, that if we're going to go and live sent, and, then we need to be a people who are transformed and renewed in Christ. And we need to be authentic and, and, and genuine in that. Because why? Because we can't reproduce what we're not and who we're not. And so we've got to be a transformed people and go and, and live that out. And, and as we get ready to commission Aaron and Sonia, listen, they are the real deal. <laughs> Some of you guys are new and you don't know them. They are the real deal. Paul uses an unusual word in verse 17. Our version says, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. And another version that the, the New English translation says it this way. He calls them, they call them hucksters who peddle the word of God because the, the word there is is kapelos. And it's a word meaning and implying to adulterate. In other words, they were watering down the word of God for their own profit. So, so the word comes from people who had wine. I don't talk about wine a lot around here. But they had wine, and, and when they're selling it, they would add water to it to make it go further so they could make more money. That's what the word comes comes from. So that's what was happening. They're watering down the word of God, the truth of God, not teaching it in sincerity and authenticity and genuineness to their own benefit. I just know from experience, and I know as I think about Aaron and Sonia, God uses those who have an unadulterated reverence for the word of God. Unadulterated reverence for the word of God. I remember... uh, a little bit about how Aaron ended up. He, a friend of a friend, when we were first starting, he heard about us and our vision to be a church that planted churches. And he was drawn to that. Right, Aaron? And so he showed up. And we happened to be singing one of his songs that God had been resonating in his heart. Yes, I will. We're going to sing that in a little bit. And uh, I met him, and I took him out to, uh, where was it at? Mia's Table is where we were, three years ago now. And, and I heard his heart. I heard Aaron's heart, and I can say to you guys what I heard very clearly is he loves Jesus, he loves God's word, he has a passion and a heart for lost people, and from that moment, I knew that he had a heart for church planting, and yes, the, the chicken fingers were good, 
and the, the gravy was good there at Mia's table. But listen, that conversation was a godsend for us, and I believe for you. He has exhibited clear calling to pastoring, and a clear calling to more specifically church planting. And I'd, I'd describe, I'd define a church planter as an entrepreneurial shepherd. He is a shepherd at heart, but, but he is a go-getter. He has started his own uh, coffee, missions coffee business called Commissional Coffee. He had done that years ago. And, and so God has uniquely shaped you, my friend, uniquely gifted you and Sonia and your four incredible kids with an unadulterated passion for the word, for the lost, and for the gospel. And he has, he has gifted you with an incredible gift to bless the kingdom as you step out in faith and plant a church called Maranatha Church. Listen, Aaron, I love you. And let's say this together. We love you. We love you. We love you. And I'm going to give him a few minutes. I'm giving him four minutes to come and share your heart and vision for what God's calling you to do. Justin, and we love you, and um, you guys are a blessing. Let's see if I can do this without crying. Um, so two, four minutes, two minutes looking back, two minutes looking forward, okay? Um, I remember <clears throat> about four years ago, three years ago, I was going through a study in the book of Ezra and Haggai, all the companion books. Zechariah, you got Haggai, you got Ezra, you got Nehemiah, all in the same time frame, all focusing on the same thing. The Lord's house was in ruins. And God began to stir up and say, now it's time to begin to build the house of the Lord. And that work requires workers. It requires people. I just know when I was looking through that, God began to just speak to me. And a lot of thoughts and emotions in my mind and my heart. And I look around in my city. I look at Conroe. I look just in general what's going on. And there's so many lost people that need hope, that need healing, that need a place to experience God. And to know him, to truly know him. Not just know about him or hear of him, but to know him. And to feel his presence and power and love to be theirs and it was that day I knew God what are you asking me to do I said Aaron I want you to begin this work I can't this is too big well that's okay because it's not on you it's on me just be faithful and let me do what only I can do I've shaped you for this I've led you through this your life is leading to this you see that you know that yes Lord and so I began to pray with my wife, share these things with my wife, and um, didn't know her response, what that was going to be. She had just lost her mother. We had been through some hard times. and But an eternal perspective was birthed in both of us through a lot of hard times. And what really matters in life and what are we really here for? Time is short. I don't know how much time I have. 
I could be here today, gone tomorrow. And some of you guys walking through these past seasons, that's more real now more than ever. You understand that. So all I'm saying is I just want to be faithful with the, the talents and the time and everything that God has given me. It's not for me, it's for him. And so she was on board with tears. So let's do it. Wasn't expecting that. I didn't get off the hook. Um, and then we began just to seek God together. When do you want us to start? I opened up Haggai and it said on the 21st day of the seventh month. And I looked in the calendar and that was that next Saturday. It was two days. You're saying now, dummy. So we just called some people over and we prayed. We just shared it right then and there. And this was my prayer. And I'm going to stop with this. This was my prayer. This is so big, God. And these guys were overwhelmed too. Just go back and read. And God had to remind them, don't worry about it. I'm with you. I'll do this. But go and be what I've called you to be and do the work. And I said, God, would you bring people around me? I'm going to need help. I'm going to need guidance. I'm going to need a pathway. I'm going to need all. Like, Lord, would you, would you provide that? And I kid you not, that very next day, this guy sent me a text or an email. You want to get together for lunch? We've done that before. I didn't think anything of it. We meet on a Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know. Memory's a little foggy. And he busts out with Aaron. Have you ever considered church planting? I mean, this is all bam, 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 bam. And I'm just amazed, and it hasn't stopped ever since then. I want you to know this is not something I'm thinking is a neat idea to try. This is a call by God that sometimes, if I'm honest, I'm scared to death. But he said, I'm with you, and this is my work. Be strong and courageous. And be faithful and see me lead you every step of the way. And that's brought us to this point right here. And there's a lot of stuff in between. So quickly, just highlighting, moving forward. Every church planting movement from the 10,000 view from the air has certain things in common. If it's really going to multiply, we're going to focus and commit ourselves to certain principles. And I just want to share these with you. And they're very simple. We're going to begin with extraordinary prayer and fasting. Every church planning movement, gospel movement, discipleship movement is first a prayer movement. We would begin on our knees and we never go away from it. We're always committed to that. And then God has called us to say, I want you to live like a missionary, think like a missionary. So if you join Maranatha or the Maranatha Collective, I won't even call you a member. I'm going to call you a missionary because that's your identity in Jesus. We serve a missionary God who's sending us out. And we get to do it together because it is scary. And then we're going to focus on God's word. We're going to make disciples. We're going to go out among the lost. We're going to see churches emerge. And we're going to multiply every step of the way. Simple, authentic communities and relationship on mission together. This is what God has called us to do. And God has called us to multiply. I'll leave you with these two scriptures in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. It says, do not despise small beginnings. 
For the Lord loves and rejoices to see the work begin and the plumb line taking those measurements for the work in Zerubbabel's hand, fill in the blank of the name. It was Justin, it's me, it's Teddy, it's other people, and it's you, and it's you. And then the other verse, same passage, Zechariah chapter four, verse six, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's how this is going to get done. And if I've called you, I'll equip you and I'll be with you. And I'll be honest, I don't want to be a part of something that I could build. It has to be led of God. I love you guys. Thank you. Good morning. So Blake, Blake calls me this week. He says, listen, I want you to say a few words at uh, Aaron's uh, commissioning. I said, okay, okay, that sounds good. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give a little bit of a testimony of how you know Aaron. And then I want you to, uh, I want you to pass on some wisdom. Uh, I planted a couple of churches and I want you to, I want you to do that. And then uh, I want you to pass on some wisdom to him. And I said, okay, that's uh, great. Uh, and I want you to give him a personal challenge. Okay, okay. I can do all those things. He says, I said, he says, you have about two to three minutes. I said, uh, and then later in the conversation, he changed it. He said, I, I think, you know, you're probably going to need three to five minutes. Uh, Blake, I'm going to need five to seven minutes. And sorry. So, but, you know, I first met Aaron. Uh, Aaron, I don't know if you remember this. We first met uh, back, uh, I guess it's been three or four years ago. It was before Hope started. We were still at Crossroads. And we were doing a, uh, a, uh, uh, an outreach uh, project uh, that Jim had coordinated, remember? And we, we went and did uh, like door-to-door uh, praying for people at a, an apartment complex up here in Conroe. And I'll, I'll never forget, Aaron, I, I, a couple of times, a couple of those weeks, you and I got paired together. And I'll never forget this. One of the things that impressed me so uh, profoundly about you is that you were very quick and very, uh, you know, eager to not only share the gospel, but just to talk to people about their relationship to God. And, uh, I, I mean, you never missed a beat. You never missed a beat. And then the other thing that impressed me out of that experience that, that I saw in you is that people were eager to talk to you once you had opened the conversation. And I saw that, that people were readily, they wanted to tell you their problems, they wanted you to... To, to pray for them, and it, it was truly amazing, and, and that's a rare thing. It really is, and it tells me that's a gift. And the first thing, the personal encouragement I want to give to you, Aaron and Sonia, I know you too also, I knew you guys used to go to the park every Saturday morning and just talk to whoever and share the gospel and just amazing work that you did. Um, I'm going to tell you, don't lose that, and re- go back in your ministry and your work and reclaim that. Make that the cornerstone of your work, that you would always uh, engage with lost people and and share the gospel with them. I think that's that's an amazing thing. And I want to share with you a couple of things from the scriptures, really. Uh, A couple of points of wisdom that I have learned in my experience of ministry. Um, It's not wisdom because it comes from me, Aaron. 
It's wisdom because I'm going to take it from the scriptures. And, um, and the first thing I would say to you, and you touched on this just a second ago, is I want to encourage you to make the core of your ministry prayer and the ministry of the word. You already said you're going to do that, so I don't know why I need to tell you. But, um, you know, and I get that from Acts chapter 6. If you remember in the early church, uh, the church was just a couple of months old. It was being led by the apostles, Peter and John. And uh, a, a division kind of developed, a problem developed in the early church. And this was not a small church. We often think of the early churches as, well, they met in homes. And yeah, uh, From what we can tell in the scriptures, there were about ten to 15,000 people in that church. And what's amazing was this, this issue developed over the distribution of you know, food to widows. Uh, there, was, there was an inequity about food distributed to Hebrew-speaking widows versus uh, food distributed to Greek-speaking widows. And it was really going to tear the church apart. It was a big deal. And so Peter did something really incredible. He, he used an amazing amount of wisdom. The Bible says that he went before the entire congregation. Not a committee, not a group of people over here, the trusted advisors. No, he went before the entire congregation, and he said to them, you select from among yourselves seven men who are full of wisdom, have a good reputation, and they're full of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's incredible that you would go, let's let's say, let's just say there's 10,000 people there, and he says, you guys make a selection. And I want to remind you here, and I want to point out something out to you. He didn't do it out of, um, he didn't do make that decision. He tells them later why he did it that way. And it wasn't uh, out of laziness. Ah, I don't want to mess with that. That's going to be you know, a big problem. I'll let somebody else do it. It wasn't out of laziness. It wasn't out of fear. Whew, whoever deals with that problem, they're going to get their head taken off. I'm not touching that, you know. Uh, and it wasn't. It wasn't out of pride. Hey, guys, we walked with Jesus. I'm not going to go pass out food. No, no. Here's what he said. He said, because we have to devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Aaron, I just want to say to you, again, you've already said it. I know you're going in that direction. But men, bathe everything in prayer. And every opportunity you have, whether it's counseling, preaching, teaching at some seminar, whatever it is, take people back to the Word of God. That's the only thing that has the power to transform someone's life. It's the only thing, is that. And the other thing I want to tell you, and this may sound kind of odd, but I'm going to back it up with Scripture, is it's stop doing and don't get started doing all of the ministry. Ephesians chapter three or chapter four verses eleven through thirteen, we have the most clear and explicit model of how the church is to be led, and it says there very clearly that you you're not called to do the work of ministry. You're what? The Bible says that you are called to equip the saints to do the work of ministry, and your calling is to do that. It's not to do it all. It's to equip your people. God's going to bring some people around you. And I'm going to tell you this, in my experience, here's what you're going to face. You you and Sonia both are going to face this. You're going to face the temptation, early, especially in these early days, when you're going to say, you're going to look at each other and you're going to say, well, we we want to get this done, we've got to get this done, but we don't have enough help. We're going to have to roll up our sleeves and do it ourselves. The other thing that you're going to face 
is that you're going to face the temptation to say, you know, it's easier for me to do it myself than to teach somebody else how to do it. Don't give in to those temptations. Remember that you are there to equip others to do the work of ministry. And here's the thing I've discovered, and it's really kind of an amazing thing. It seems counterintuitive, but much in the kingdom is counterintuitive. Is that if you will allow your people, the people that God's given you, if you'll allow them to do ministry, what you'll find out is that they will do it in a way that is much more effective. They'll do it in a way that's more impassioned. They'll be more creative. They will be more empowered than you would have been doing it yourself. So I want to give you that. I'm going to close just by reading you a, uh, a benediction here from Ephesians chapter 3. Um, yeah, which verses? Verse 20. Aaron, Sonia, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you, my friends, and I am looking to hear a call from you so I can take you to lunch and you can tell me about all the joys and victories that you are experiencing. All right? God bless you. Thank you, Steve. Aaron and Sonia, if you can bring your wonderful children up here with you. Uh, we're going to do something that the uh, church has been doing for centuries. We're going to do a short, responsive reading. And it really is their commitment and then our commitment. So for you guys, y'all have an opportunity to shine. Y'all have one line. Don't miss it. You have one line. And that line matters because they're making a commitment to God and to us. But we as much so, or maybe even more so right now, we are making commitments to God and to them, our parts, as we commission them. So Aaron, Sonia, Emily, Elizabeth, Aiden, James, the whole crew. Um, Aaron and Sonia, would you respond? And church, uh, wait for your, your, your line, your line. And so... Aaron and Sonia, do do you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ communicated to us by God through the scriptures to be the way of salvation and life for all who believe? Do you believe that the Spirit has called you to represent Jesus in Conroe as a missionary of that gospel? And do you recognize this congregation as your sending church under whose mission you will further and multiply? Yes. People of God, our church, would you stand? Do you recognize Aaron and Sonia as missionaries of this congregation sent to serve our Lord in Conroe? And do you promise to support them with your love, encouragement, resources, and prayers? We do with joy. (laughs) We do with joy. God helping us. And so we're gonna we're gonna have a time, very biblical thing, a very non-COVID thing, but we're gonna do it anyway. 
if you, if, if you feel led and you would want to, I'd ask you guys to come. We're going to lay hands on them. If you're comfortable and if you feel led, come and lay hands on them. If not, it's okay. Just extend a hand. We're just going to say a prayer of commissioning over them. Something the church has been doing since the beginning of the church to set people apart for gospel work. And so if you feel led, you come and lay hands. It's okay. If you don't, you can say where you are. And I'm going to give you guys uh, a few moments to everybody at the same time, voice a prayer, a blessing over them. So everybody, you kids, all you adults, we're all involved. We are the church commissioning this family to represent Christ in Conroe. So why don't we right now take a moment, it's out loud, just pray. God hears our prayers all at the same time. That's how big God is. So let's just pray a prayer of blessing over them. And then Lloyd, are you praying? Do you have a mic? All right. After a moment of prayer, I'm going to ask Lloyd to, to, to lead us in prayer. So let's pray. Father, we are so blessed to have Aaron and his family represent us as he moves forward. I'm reminded of the parable of the seeds. 100% of effort, but only 25% come through. But God, it only needs to be one. We ask that you would provide all the strength that you give all clear direction. You'd protect this family. You'd bring many to him to multiply and to continue to grow. God, as a church, we are united in one in this mission. We are here to be with them through you, Father. We ask you give them peace and then you give them provision. God, we thank you for the mission. We thank you for the opportunity. And we look forward to seeing you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is to certify Aaron Orr, who has given clear evidence of a call from God at church planting, has duly completed the Hope Church Planting residency with excellence and fervor. We thereby commit to Aaron, we thereby commit to Aaron and Sonia to faithfully serve as their sending church and joyfully walk alongside them for the multiplication of the kingdom and the glory of God by Hope Church Montgomery, presented on the 30th day of January 2022. We love you guys so much.